up everybody? How you doing? Welcome in. It is time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. <laughs> I am Andrew for America. People, recently, oh boy, I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. Recently, Remember when I was telling you guys about David Chipman, um, you know, ATF director nominee, Biden's ATF director nominee guy? I just read this article that apparently this guy goes all the way back to Waco, and apparently he made some false claims that uh, the ATF was fired upon first. Before they went in there. This guy is a stooge. He's in the pocket of the big club people. Keep your eye on David Chipman. Mark my words. You heard it here first. If this guy gets appointed. It's not looking good. And I'm trying to keep the faith. I'm trying to keep the faith people. I'm trying to keep it together. So, you know, while I was going over all my research with Chipman, and, uh, you know, remember when Senator Kennedy, I played that clip for you guys of, um, you know, him grilling him on, hey, can I get your definition of an assault weapon? And if you're not even going to give me a definition, how can I vote for you? (laughs) You know, unbelievable. So... There's a new guy on the scene that is the nominee now for some, I forget what it is, some DOJ office. I'll I'll, I'll look it up here and I'll tell you guys in a second. And, (laughs) I mean, this shit just keeps getting weirder and weirder, people. And I'm starting to get upset. I'm starting to get a little tense. And, you know, I try to keep my emotions in check most of the time, but some things are just, some things fucking piss me off and make me emotional, people. I'm human. Recently, (laughs) oh boy, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, man. This guy, I'm, I'm really starting to like this guy. I'm really starting to like this guy. He recently was questioning... Uh, President Biden's nominee for uh, DOG, DOJ, I think, Department of Justice uh, head. And this guy's name is Hampton Dellinger. <laughs> if that doesn't sound like some rich douchebag. Uh, apparently he's a lawyer. Um, and uh, apparently he's uh, tweeted some things in the past that are super woke. <laughs> and, you know... Social media, people, you got to be careful about what you put out there in your digital life. I've been saying it because you never know who's going to look back in time and dig up some of the shit that you spewed out of your drunken, stone, idiot mouth. And who knows, maybe one day if you're nominated to a government office by the President of the United States, someone might start digging into your past to see the kind of person you are. And they might find that you're perfect for politics because you're a hypocritical, immature, stupid, idiot douchebag. (laughs) Take a listen to this. So this is Senator Kennedy 
grilling this guy, Hampton Dellinger, about his previous tweets. And the the mainstream media and all the social media news outlets are, are focusing on, you know, Senator Kennedy asks him if he believes in God. And, you know, everyone's getting on Senator Kennedy like, oh, well, you know, it's not about religion. You know, why did you even have to bring that up? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what it has to do with anything, people, is that some people base their beliefs on abortion and their views on abortion. They they decide how they feel about it because their religion may feel a certain way about it. And because they are believers in their religion, that is their position. Okay? You may disagree with it. But there's nothing you can do about it. You're not going to change these people's minds and coming up with stupid fairy tale woke immature identity politics bullshit is not going to change these people's minds. Whether you agree with their point of view, whether you agree with the point or with the fact that they may or may not be religious or not, it shouldn't matter. You need to practice tolerance in a free society. People should be free to worship whatever God they want. This country was founded on religious freedom. How do you idiots not see this? Put religion aside. What Senator Kennedy in this clip is getting at, he exposes all of you progressive woke movement. He exposes your ridiculous, immature philosophy right here. This guy is backed into a position where he has to deny what he has said in his tweets in the past. He has, he has to lose face and, and take the punch right on the jaw because Senator Kennedy called him out and, and he got him. Gotcha, bitch. He fucking got you, Hampton Dellinger. Woke. Hypocrite. Oh, God, these people drive me up a fucking wall, people. Take a listen to this. I want to read you a tweet. It's from 2019. You weren't in law school then, were you? I was not, Senator. How old were you then? Uh... I was, uh, I passed over half a century. <laughs> you mean 50? This is what the tweet says. <laughs> yes. There are some women GOP or peers, meaning members of the Republican Party, and a tiny number of Democrats who want government, not women, to control women's bodies. But if there were no Republican men in elected office, there would be no abortion bans. Do you write that? Uh, Senator, I, I do not recall that specific tweet, but I do not deny writing it. You wrote it. Okay. There it is, Baron Dallas. Do, do, do you think that my votes with respect to abortion are based on the fact that I want to control women? Senator, I, I oh. cannot speak to that. Well, why'd you say it? In front of God and country. Well, Senator, I, I do believe that the reproductive rights established in Roe versus Wade and then and then dealt with in Casey, uh, June Medical, and other 
uh, Supreme Court decisions are important. And that's, that, that's fine. I agree with that. Well, and Reasonable sen- people disagree, but that's not what you said, Counselor. Right. And Senator, you said every Republican, other than one, the ones that you like, have their position on abortion because they're misogynistic. Well, Senator, I, I, do you believe in God? Uh, Senator, I, I have faith, I believe. Um, I, I certainly, Some, a lot of people have faith. Right. Did it ever occur to you that... That some people may may uh, base their their position on abortion on their faith, Senator. I, I sincerely appreciate people have a different um, position on abortion than you sure I. Sure, don't tweet it. Have you ever tweeted that? Well, well, Senator, I'm saying it now on <laughs> oath, and I do. Yeah, you're up for, to be nominated. You want me to vote for you? Well, Senator, I, I, I'm <laughs> determined to tell the truth, and if I could make clear. Senator, I, and I appreciate your question, your concern. <laughs> that Senator, I recognize the difference between someone saying something, you know, inartfully uh, as a private citizen and working as a at, at, lawyer. Yep. And I think I've got a thirty-year track record oh, boy. of being. Okay, I get all that. And, and just like I got to move on, we don't have much time, Counselor. <sighs> boy, jeez, <laughs> seriously. Oh, man. This is Biden's guy. Do you people. believe the Justice Department is systemically racist? Senator, I believe every institution in our country exists on uh, a history. Yeah, but do you believe the Justice Department is systemically racist? Senator, if I could, I believe every institution in our country has dealt with racism and sexism. No, but today, I agree with that, but I'm just asking a simple question. Today, do you believe the Justice Department is systemically racist? I do not believe that the Justice okay. Department... What about the law firm of Hampton Dellinger? That's your law firm. Is it systemically racist? Senator, I have done my best to... Simple try. question. Do you believe it's systemically racist? Right, and I'm trying to answer it, sir. I know. I, I think you're trying to dodge it, but you go ahead. <laughs> well, sir, I, I certainly do not try to uh, practice systemic racism. I do recognize do I. That, that, that. But is, is your law firm <laughs> systemically racist? See, what does it even mean? How about your law, former law firm, Boys Schiller? Are they, are they systemically racist? you got a bunch of racists there? <laughs> uh, certainly they have tried uh, to deal with implicit bias, to recognize it, and to remove any barrier. Are they systemically racist? I have no reason to think that they no are. No reason. Out of People. <laughs> oh, boy. Mr. Hampton Dellinger. That's got to go down in history as the douchebaggiest name ever created. Who are this guy's parents? Oh my God, people! If you if you progressives and you you woke culture proponents out there don't listen to that and say to yourself, "I am a useful idiot. I am not very smart. I have been brainwashed by left wing propaganda, communist <laughs> propaganda." This just this clip just illustrates the immature ridiculousness of woke culture, the woke movement, wokeism, 
all things woke, identity politics, cancel culture, critical race theory. People, you better grow the fuck up and you better do it soon. Otherwise, I've said it in a previous podcast. You guys want a civil war? You guys really want to fight? Is that what you want? You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Keep this shit up, people. John F. Kennedy once said, Those that make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Let's try to let's try for peaceful revolution, people. Let's try for peaceful revolution based on logic, reason, rational thought, enlightenment principles, common sense, pragmatism, centrist debate. Or else violent revolution is what you shall have. My fellow Americans, And, you know, the look on this guy Hampton Dellinger's face. Go look up uh, online. I saw this on The Blaze. Um, this clip I-, I played for you. But go look it up. Go look up Senator Kennedy asking Hampton Dellinger about his previous tweets. And when he when you know, he forces him into the corner. No, I have no reason to believe that they're systemically racist. I have no reason to believe. He, 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 he got him. Well, that's not what you said in your tweet. So you said one thing in your tweet, and you just told me that, nope, you were wrong. You were wrong. Because you were a proponent of this bullshit, immature, woke culture movement that is intended to be internalized by you useful idiot morons in order to complete the second phase of the communist subversion plan that KGB guy told you guys about in the Huxley's Final Revolution podcast that I have told you guys about repeatedly. It's coming, people. You mark my words. This guy, David Shipman, all the guys that the Biden administration is nominating for key positions, people, if you don't do your homework and your research on these people, if you cannot clearly see the plan coming into fruition, they're finding people that believe this bullshit hook, line, and sinker, these yes-man idiots that'll do what they're told, that'll go in front of Congress and say what needs to be said, regardless of what they say and do in their personal lives, especially on social media, where all of us can see it and read it. I just got done telling you in the Big Brother is watching you episode that privacy is going away, people. Soon, and this is this is probably a consequence of the new Orwellian police state that I actually like. It is going to expose people. It is going to reveal you people for who you really are. We're going to find out who's good and who's bad. Regardless of what the mainstream media tells us. We're going to see it. Because people are going to get smart. People are going to wise up. They're going to start asking important questions. 
that are going to lead them to the truth about these wolves in sheep's clothing that your government and the people in charge and the big club continue to parade in front of you time and time and time and time again and you fucking morons continue to vote for these rich assholes who do not give a fuck about you. I'm going to calm down. I got to move on. I got to move on. Okay, so here we go. So Hampton Dellinger. Hampton, oh my God, this makes his name even douchier. (laughs) Listen to this. Hampton Yates Dellinger. (laughs) That's like what you name the rich douchebag in like any movie you've ever seen. Hampton Yates Dellinger is an American attorney and political candidate working as a partner at uh, Boys, Schiller, and Flexner law firm. He is the nominee to serve as United States Assistant Attorney General for Legal Policy. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, and here's his dad. I gotta see what this guy's dad who this guy's dad is. Walter Estes. Ooh. wonder if he's related to Billy Saul Estes. Walter Estes Dellinger III is an American attorney and legal scholar who is the Douglas B. Maggs Professor of Law at Duke University School of Law. <laughs> oh, Walter, what'd you do to your kid? What'd you do to your kid, Hampton? Did you, you raise him with a silver spoon in his mouth? You gave him everything he ever wanted? You turned him into a Hunter Biden, didn't you? These big club members, boy, it must be nice. It must be nice to be born into this world on third base and th- and thought you thought you hit a triple. <laughs> oh man, I'm not making this stuff up, people. This isn't a TV show. This isn't an episode of Law and Order. This isn't some documentary that you're listening to. This is real life, my fellow Americans. I'm not making this shit up. I'm not I'm not making it up. This is reality. I think I think I heard the guy that directed the movie Idiocracy. I think he was quoted in a movie in a interview and he said, you know, I never thought that my movie would become a documentary. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna vote for President Camacho. <laughs> oh man, I don't know, man. I don't know, people. You know, but there, you know, there is. There's a whole generation of guys out there that you know are veterans, that that actually fought in wars and actually believed in the promise of America, and you know, lived in in during a time where we still remembered who we were as as a country and as a culture you better start practicing practice you better start learning how to practice tolerance you better start learning how it goes if you want to live in a free society that's what freedom means people everybody's free to do as they please worship what they want live how they want and that's why the rule of law is so important and morality 
what is moral versus legal. That's why that stuff's so important. Because how else are you going to live together peacefully if you cannot come to an agreement, common ground? How do you find common ground when you're screaming profanities and obscenities in each other's face, calling each other cockroaches, calling each other the devil, threatening lethal force against your, you know, your team against that team, divide and conquer. It's worked throughout history so perfectly because, you know, human nature, you people get so tribal and in your tribal ways, you can't see past the seeing red. And I know I'm a part of it too. I'm just as guilty. I see red more often than, than I would like to. I would like to be, you know, I, I actually do think I am a tolerant person. It's what upsets me most is intolerance based in ignorance and a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness. That's what pisses me the fuck off in this country and in this world. When I see something that could easily have been solved and managed by enlightened, illuminated minds. When I see something that could so easily be solved, actually become more and more destroyed, become worse and worse and worse because of incompetence, because of ignorance, because of laziness, because of stupidity, because of apathy, because of ego and pride getting in the way of problem solving and critical analysis. That's the stuff that pisses me off. I'm tolerant of every race, color, creed, sexual orientation. I don't care who you are. So long as you don't hurt me, you don't take my stuff, and we can have a cooperative, pragmatic conversation between two, maybe, parties that disagree on a lot of things, but we can disagree peacefully without slinging mud, without name-calling and ad hominems. I know I'm guilty. I talk shit about you progressive lefties all the time. I call you stupid, idiot, imbecile, numbskull morons all the time. I know. I mean, part of it's the show. This is a show. I'm being dramatic so as to entertain you. (laughs) This is why you guys hate Trump so much, and a lot of you guys probably hate me. Because... We're boisterous personalities that say controversial things, whether you like it or not. And the reason why is because if we don't, if if people like us go away, you you people are going to become the most coddled, babied, sheep easily led to the slaughter, brainwashed, mind manipulated, with help by pharmacological methods. And you're going to be turned into automaton, non-thinking lemmings that follow the leader right over the cliff to your inevitable doom. Some of us don't want to see that happen, people. Is there anything wrong with that? Do you guys have any faith in the brave, the honorable, the people that still have a sense of duty, the people that still believe that, you know what? I am willing to fight and die for my principles and what I believe in. What's wrong with those people? Should we get rid of them? Is that the goal of the tolerant progressive left? 
<laughs> my fellow Americans, can someone help me out? I'd really like to know. I'm going to play a couple clips that illustrate how bad it's getting out there. I think I've said to you guys before, George Washington once said, you know, as soon as the people, society, as soon as their, their countrymen don't want to take up arms and fight for their beliefs and their principles and fight for their country anymore, it's over. Everything between now and the end of your civilization is filling in the blanks. And we're, we're already there. This is an army veteran talking about his beliefs and his thoughts on, you know, if giving advice to these younger generations about joining the military, he's telling you not to do it. I'm telling you not to do it. I have my reasons why. You guys know some of them. I've told you about it how I felt about it in the uh, Divide and Conquer episode when I talked about Clyde Kerr and I brought up our fast-talking friend that talked about the CIA and getting to the minds of the children. I strongly urge you, if you're a new listener to my podcast and you have a bleeding heart for the people that fight and die and sacrifice their lives and their families and their, their options in this life for you every day, they wake up lace up their boots, put the uniform on, and they go risk their lives for you stupid, ignorant, ungrateful, piece-of-shit Americans that are so lucky to have been born here when other people from other countries around this world would trade places with you in a second. And later on, I'm going to talk to you guys about some world politics just to illustrate even further how bad it's getting, not only in this country, but around the world. But first, take a listen to this gentleman and if you shed a tear, and if this troubles you, I get it. But you need to hear it. Here we go. I say this to my own kids, and I've got one in the army, and I got another one thinking about it. I mean, I know, I know, it's it's a tough economic choice to make these days. I know the jobs suck. I know school is too expensive for a lot of people. Um, you know, I know they make it attractive, but you just uh, you have to continue to remember what it is that uh, they're doing. And not that, that organization does not exist to give you money for school. <laughs> that organization exists um, to assert the political will of the United States government against other people by force of arms. And what they do is not like it's portrayed in the movies. They're not sending you out there to be a hero. They're sending you out there to be a bully. You know, they're not sending you out there to be a hero. That's not what it's really about. It's never been about that. It's never been about that. You know, the fact that some people fight back and put you in danger is is also part of the equation. But, you know, it's not... Uh, the Iraqis never presented any threat to this country. And if we leave, those Iraqis don't present any threat to this country after we leave. Uh, why, why, why put yourself in a position to go over there and, and be forced by a circumstance not of your choosing uh, to take the life of another human being who's a total stranger? Because they're not, you know, they're not some evil caricature like you've seen in the films and all that stuff. They're people. They have mothers. They have fathers. They have sisters. They have brothers. They have children. You know, there's people that love them just like there's people that love you. You know, and 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 those people grieve when they lose them, just like. People grieve if they lose you, you know. Um, 
that's maybe not as dramatic and as exciting, you know, and clear cut, you know, and, and, and easy to understand as, uh, you know, the sort of simple binary world of good and evil that you get painted for you, but that's not the way the real world is. You know? And in the real world, again, you have to live with the consequences of your decisions the rest of your life. Thank God. Yeah, I served in eight conflict areas, and you know, I, I raised my right hand eight times, or no, I raised my hand five times during the course of one career, and took an oath. And that oath was to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. You know, I went to eight conflict areas. I never met a single person who was an enemy of the United States Constitution. Not one. And no enemies of the Constitution. I did spend a lot of time going out there again and becoming a political instrument. Uh, you know, for, for, for transnational corporations uh, and, and to preserve American, you know, military and political supremacy around the world. But that's not in the old. That's not in the old. There were nobody, nobody threatening the Constitution in Vietnam. There was nobody threatening the Constitution in Grenada, Guatemala, El Salvador, Colombia, Peru, uh, Somalia, Haiti. I went to all those places. I never met anybody there was a threat, threat to the Constitution, or the principles of the Constitution, for that matter. You know, I just met people. I just met people, and they put me in circumstances where um, I had to do a lot of things that I wish I didn't have in my head right now. You know? Doesn't that just make you sick to your stomach? You know, and there's a lot. There's a lot of those guys out there. I've been trying to tell you people. You know, in in the World War II generation, my grandpa. You know, my grandpa's era. None of those guys want to talk about what they did. I'm sure a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, you know, oh, grandpa doesn't talk about what he did in the war. Oh, he won't talk about it. This guy just got done telling you, I really wish that I didn't have the things in my head that I have in my head. I told you guys in the Divide and Conquer episode that a lot of military members feel the same way I do. We feel betrayed by our countrymen. We feel betrayed but we feel betrayed by our government. We feel like our whole country turned its back on us. We feel like everything we believed, the propaganda that filled our brains, playing with G.I. Joe guys, playing, you know, guns and run around the neighborhood, you know, like cops and robbers. You know, they get to you they get to you young, boy. The propaganda begins at, at early, early, early age. And then the process becomes generational. People are waking up. Military members are learning from the mistakes of our past. They're losing faith in, oh, I'm fighting and dying for my country. No, 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 you're, you're, you're the bully. You're the bullies for the transnational corporations when the jackals fail that John Perkins told you people about in the book Confessions of an Economic Hitman they try to do their dirty work quietly secretly and if that doesn't work they send in the United States military and then you gotta pump up the propaganda and sell it to the people when really we know what's going on most of us do and then, you know, speaking of, here's, here's a clip of an old gentleman talking to some woke kid, probably. And uh, this guy's clearly from the fuck your feelings crowd. This guy's a little bit more gnarly. 
I guess you could say, than this gentleman that you just heard speak. But, you know, take a listen, just to give you some perspective. Here we go. And some people think it's hurtful. Well, you told us that this hurt. But here's the thing. I don't give a about feelings anymore. I'm 70 I'm eight. I went to Vietnam to fight for all this. Do you think I care about some feelings? Absolutely not. <laughs> These guys are salty dogs. I don't understand why our culture doesn't respect our elders. Every culture that is worth its salt throughout history has the utmost respect for their elders. Because inside of those elders of your society <clears throat> lies a wealth of knowledge, experience, and information that can help the next generation figure out this crazy world and do the right thing and keep traditions and principles alive and well. That's part of the whole deal. That's part of what the secret societies are all about. Initiating young minds and then illuminating them into the realities of this world and the realities of the past. And with that inherently is going to come some good and some evil. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you, the more you look into those esoteric philosophies, you will learn that there's a lot of conversation about the good and the bad in all of us. You got to conquer yourself first if you really want to make a debt in this world. And if we all did that, the world would be a completely different place. It's all a choice. Do you choose to run and hide and be a coward and, and avoid consequences or responsibilities? Do you avoid ever doing anything tough, never doing hard things? There's a lot of those people out there, and that's the majority of the problem of, with what's going on in this country and in this world. Fear and laziness, two of the most universal human characteristics that we all share. I've been over it a million times. So, you know, that's some of the stuff that's going on in this country right now. Crybabies, crybaby, you know, spoon-fed, silver spoon-fed, you know, what's the word, what's the word, um, privileged <laughs> people from all racial groups, not just white people. You know, life's pretty goddamn good for for the elite upper class that live in this country. Some people got there by lying, cheating, stealing. Some people got there by being born into the lap of luxury and power. And some people busted their ass, had the entrepreneurial spirit to write their own ticket and take full responsibility and control over their lives. There's been a lot of pathways to success. And, you know, isn't it great that we lived in a country that smart, intelligent, ballsy, courageous people that were exercising their reason and had the best intentions of the whole in mind got together and started formulating a better way, a better path for all of us? As soon as we forget about that history and as soon as we let the big club roll out their new world order, and we let the oh-so-tolerant, <laughs> progressive, left-wing, cancel culture, identity politics, bullshit, critical race theory movement come in 
and it's the new cultural revolution that they had in China. Remember, I, I played for you guys that clip of the Chinese woman that lived under Mao, screaming at the school board, saying, you know, this is exactly what the playbook was in China. I lived it, and now it's happening here in the United States. KGB guy from Russia, Russia, communist. China, communist. Communism, people. <laughs> you better wake up. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about what's going on in the rest of the world, shall we? So I found this uh, article that covers a lot of stuff. It starts with COVID is a dictator's dream. Pandemic may have advanced authoritarianism. Experts warn. This is from the AP wire, people. This is global news we're about to cover. This is some stuff you're probably not going to see on your mainstream media news. And I like this because what I'm about to tell you people today is kind of all-encompassing. We're going to go all around the world and talk about some of the news that's going on. So strap on your seatbelts, people. Grab a beverage. Here we go. This first thing I want to play for you is a video about Hong Kong and how apparently they, you know, you probably heard that they, or maybe you didn't hear, that they recently had some crackdowns of pro-democracy, the pro-democracy movement, people that are flying American flags in communist China because they want what you have, you ignorant fools. Here we go, people. Let's learn together, okay? Take a listen to this story. Uh, like I was telling you, Hong Kong exercises its national security law. So in, in communist China, people, there's a national security law, and I'm pretty sure that law states that if there's a pro-democracy movement, that it's uh, a threat to China's communist national security to have some young uh, organized upstart groups with revolutionary ideas that have, you know, pro-democracy sympathies. You think they're not going to put the kibosh on that? You think they're not going to, uh, you know, roll out their monopoly, monopoly on force and stomp that out? People, it's, this is not just happening here in the United States. It's happening around the world. Here we go. Take a listen. With the world's attention focused on the U.S., Chinese authorities have stepped up their efforts to crack down on the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. Fifty-three prominent pro-democracy activists and politicians were arrested on Wednesday under that controversial national security law. It is the biggest crackdown since Beijing imposed the law last June. Aymen Lau is an advisor with Alliance Canada Hong Kong, and she joins us now for more on this. Aymen, good morning. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. So first of all, what was your reaction to these arrests? So I think uh, we had started to become a bit numb, or I at least had started to become a bit numb out of the news that was coming out of Hong Kong. However, it still was incredibly jarring to see the scale and the size of these uh, arrests that happened a few days ago. Um, 53 activists is not a normal number at all. 
And what were your thoughts around the individuals who were arrested? It represents a purge of an entire generation of politicians, as well as it also represents that China has no ounce of tolerance for any sort of dissent. Uh, one that? particular case that stood out in my mind was Jeffrey Andrews, who is the first uh, first ethnic minority to run for a lawmaker position. He came in dead last in the primaries, and he was arrested for participating in the primaries and subverting the state. So that represents to me that just there is no tolerance for any sort of tolerance. I mean, do you think that this was always the intended purpose of the national security law? Mm -hmm. So the national security law was always about regime, regime security. It was never really about to stabilize the region as Chinese authorities and the Hong Kong government has repeatedly stated. Um, this, you can see by the arbitrary nature of the national security law and sweeping arrests that it was intended to stomp out any sort of political dissent. Aymen, what do you think the Canadian government's role is or should be in all of this? First and foremost, the Canadian government government needs to be wary and also should consider if we're legitimizing it and uh, giving if we're legitimizing and emboldening a regime to continue to act like this, this is not normal behavior and we should not uh, continue to encourage these actions. The Canadian government needs to also recalibrate our China policy. We need to have a more consistent, principled and stronger stance against China. All right, that is Aymen Lau, an advisor with Alliance Canada Hong Kong, joining us this morning. Aymen, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you so much. You know what? Yeah, thank you so much. What did she say, people? What did she just get done telling you about the communist Chinese government? She said there they have no tolerance for dissent. Dissenters will be arrested. And under a communist regime, interested in self-preservation, interested in not allowing its population to have pro-democracy ideas. And if you do, you know what you know what happens. You know what comes next. Ugh. All right, I'm gonna do some reading now. Let's uh, let's take a trip around the world and uh, enjoy some fun stories, super positive stories. <laughs> I I speak fluent sarcasm, uh, by the way. Uh, about what's going on around the world on these uh, topics. Uh, the theme here is COVID is a dictator's dream it sure is boy and we've been talking about it pandemic may have advanced authoritarianism experts warn that's for sure i've been warning you a lot of people been trying to warn you hope you start listening here we go let's learn people moving on here's some of what happened while the world was distracted by the coronavirus <laughs> get ready for this people hold on to your hats the country of Hungary banned the public depiction of homosexuality. China uh, shut Hong Kong's last pro-democracy newspaper down. Brazil's government extolled dictatorship and Belarus hijacked a passenger plane to arrest a journalist. 
COVID-19 has absorbed the world's energies and isolated countries from one another, which may have accelerated the creep of authoritarianism and extremism across the globe. Should have been around the globe. Some researchers and activists believe. COVID is a dictator's dream opportunity, said Thierry Seng, a Cambodian-American human rights lawyer who has been indicted on charges including treason in the ostensibly democratic Southeast Asian nation, where Prime Minister Hun Sen has been in power for more than three decades. Human Rights Watch accuses Cambodia's government of using the pandemic as cover to imprison political opponents without due process. Scores have been indicted and face mass trials. When it comes to government opposition, the fear of COVID on its own and as a political weapon has substantially restricted mobility for a gathering or movement to take shape, said Sang. The biggest global public health emergency in a century has handed power to government authorities and restricted life for billions of people. Luke Cooper, a London School of Economics researcher and author of the book Authoritarian Contagion, said the vast economic health and social resources poured into fighting the pandemic mean, quote, the state is back as a force to manage society and deliver public goods, unquote. If that doesn't scare the piss out of you people, I don't know what will. Restrictions on civil liberties or political opponents have been stepped up during the pandemic on several continents. Continents. World. We're talking about people. For a decade in Hungary, conservative nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban has curtailed media and judicial freedom, criticized multiculturalism, and attacked Muslim migrants as a threat to Europe's Christian identity. During the pandemic, Orban's government brought in an emergency powers bill, allowing it to implement resolutions without parliamentary approval, effectively a license to rule by decree, also known as dictatorship, my fellow Americans. In June, it passed a law prohibiting the sharing of content portraying homosexuality or sex reassignment with anyone under 18 years of age. The government claims the purpose is to protect children from pedophiles, but it effectively outlawed discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in schools and the media. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine that happening here in the United States? What do you think would happen? Pretty sure your tolerant woke left progressives would be violently attacking if this what's going on in this country hungry i believe was going down here in the united states okay a little perspective a little you know let's get away from being ignorant americans which is our moniker around this world Okay, let's go to Poland. Poland's conservative government has chipped away at the rights of women and gay people. A ruling last year by a government-controlled court that imposed a near-total ban on abortion triggered a wave of protests that defied a ban on mass gatherings during the virus outbreak. People, I hope a picture is forming in your mind. In India... 
the world's biggest democracy populist prime minister, Narendra Modi, has been accused of trying to silence voices critical of his administration's response to a brutal pandemic wave that tore through the country in April and May. His government has arrested journalists and ordered Twitter to remove posts that criticized its handling of the outbreak after introducing sweeping regulations that gave that give it more power to police online content. Friday, June 11th, uh, they're showing a photo here. Uh, activists of India's opposition Congress party pour milk over a poster of Indian Prime Minister Modi to mockingly celebrate fuel price reaching the century mark during a protest against the hike of petrol and diesel in Hyperabad. Even before the pandemic, Modi's ruling Hindu nationalist uh, Janata Bharatai, I'm going to butcher this, Bharataila Janata Party, apologies to all of my uh, Indian listeners that uh, had to suffer through me butchering that name, sorry. Uh, this party was accused by opponents of squashing dissent and introducing policies aimed at refashioning a multi-faith democracy into a Hindu nation that discriminates against Muslims and other minorities. Where are the woke leftist Americans on all this world news? Where are you guys? Maybe you guys aren't talking about this stuff because you are ignorant, stupid morons that have no concept of what is going on in the world around you. You were brainwashed by American propaganda. And now, I've been saying it, and many people like me have been saying it, this, po- this pandemic has given not only the United States government, but governments around the world the ability to significantly um, limit travel. And all that framework and all that apparatus, apparatus was put in place during... Uh, after 9-11 and the Patriot Act, when they rolled out the TSA. Oh, we got to check you for bombs at the airport. We got to screen you at the airport. That was step one. And now with the pandemic, boy, they've locked it down around the, the world. And these, doesn't matter if it's a communist country, doesn't matter if it's a constitutional republic, doesn't matter. All of them are cracking down. People, it's a brave new world. Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian dictatorship people it's fucking coming and i think it's already here in russia (laughs) oh wait i'm not done people i'm not done i'm gonna drill this stuff into your fucking brains here we go in russia the government of president vladimir putin has issued the pandemic as its latest excuse to arrest opposition figures. Associated Associates of jailed opposition figure Alexei Navalny have been uh, subjected to house arrest and charges, charges that the mass protests against the arrest violated regulations on mass gatherings. Hmm. You're hearing that term mass gatherings quite a bit, aren't you? Aren't you? Social distancing, limiting gatherings of people, are ulterior motives baked in 
to the protocols people in neighboring Belarus, authoritarian President Alexander Lukashenko extended his quarter-century iron grip on power by winning an August 2020 election that the opposition and many Western countries uh, said was rigged. Rigged. A huge protest that erupted uh, were met with tear gas, rubber bullets, and mass arrests. And that sounds pretty familiar to you Americans, I'm pretty sure. Uh, in May... Uh, a Ryanair plane flying from Athens to Vilnius was forced to land in a Belarusian capital of Minsk, uh, in the Belarusian capital of Minsk, after the crew was told of an alleged threat. Opposition journalist Raman Protasevic, a passenger, was taken off the plane along with his girlfriend and arrested. Western nations called the forced diversion a brazen hijacking and slapped sanctions on Belarus, but those seem unlikely to induce Lukashenko to change his ways and underscore the weakness of democracies in confronting hardline regimes. Hungary's acts have drawn sharp words from fellow European Union leaders, but the 27-nation bloc has no unified response to restricted regi regimes. Restrictive regimes like those in Hungary, Poland, Russia, China, etc. Even before COVID-19 came along, people, extremism was on the march in this world. Over the last 15 years, authoritarian politics has replicated all over the world. Democracy feels very fragile. Democracy doesn't have a clear vision for what it's trying to do in the 21st century. In 2008, the global financial crisis, which saw governments pump billions into teetering banks, shook confidence in the Western world order, and the years of recession and government austerity that followed boosted populism in Europe and North America. And we've seen it. We've seen it, the Bernie bros, we've seen the Trump phenomenon, Populism's come, the people are getting pissed all around the world. And it's because we're moving into the, a world of the haves and the have-nots. You com communist socialists are getting your way. You want a proletariat and a bourgeoisie. You don't want a middle class. You don't want entrepreneurship. You don't want free markets. And it shows. In China, authorities saw the 2008 economic crash as evidence that they and not the world's democracies were on the right path. And people, as soon as they get the, uh, the world reserve currency off the American dollar, it is only a matter of time before you see the demise of the American empire. Mark my words. Historian Rana Mitter, director of the University of Oxford China Center said the crisis persuaded China's communist government that, quote, the West no longer had lessons to teach them. Yep, after we outsourced uh, wealth creation, uh, they took that and ran. What else, what other values and virtues do, does the West have to teach the world? I would, I would argue that there is none. I would actually agree with this statement. Since then... Beijing has increasingly flexed China's economic muscle abroad while cracking down on ep uh, opposition inside its borders. And we just got done talking about that. They've been fixing, uh, you know, leaving their currency out of world markets. Uh, there's a lot of problems with how China runs its currency and fixes it. 
In recent years, hundreds of thousands of Muslim Uyghurs, uh, Uyghurs, I don't even know how to pronounce that, Uyghurs, Uyghurs, have been confined in re-education camps in China's western Xinjiang province region. I probably butchered that too. Uh, where activists and former detainees accuse authorities of imposing forced labor, systematic, forced birth control, and torture. People, there are active running concentration camps in China right now. Where's the woke left? Huh? Where are you, progressives? I don't hear you talking about that. (laughs) It's pathetic and disgusting. You people are so clueless. It's gross. Beijing instead characterizes the camps as vocational training centers. (laughs) Uh, Beijing also has tightened control in Hong Kong, stifling dissent in the former British colony. You guys know about that. We just talked about that. Protests, publishers, journalists critical of Beijing have been jailed. And uh, the last remaining pro-democracy newspaper, Apple Daily, stopped publishing in June after the arrest of its top editors. People, they are taken over. The world planners. The world bankers, the financiers, the intellectual elite people. I don't know what more I need to provide. When coronavirus first emerged in the Chinese city of Wuhan, authorities responded firmly, though far from transparently, (laughs) with draconian lockdowns that got the virus in check, allegedly, Mitter said the pandemic was cement, has cemented a view among many ordinary Chinese as well as the country's leaders that something had gone very wrong in terms of the way in which the democratic world had dealt with the virus and something had gone right in China. <laughs> you believe that? That is now being used very much as a lesson, not just about the pandemic, but about the virtues of China's system as opposed to the systems of liberal countries around the world. Last year, curfews and travel restrictions also became commonplace across Europe. People in France needed to show a signed declaration to travel. Uh, Britons were banned by law from going on vacation abroad. Some attendees at a London vigil for a murdered woman were arrested for gathering illegally. I mean, people... British lawmakers have expressed concern about the scope of the conservative government's emergency powers that were passed without debate in Parliament. George W. Bush, people, was right when he said a dictatorship would be easier. Who would have thought that 20 years in the future... The groundwork he laid after 9-11 by passing the Patriot Act. It's all legal now. Remember? Mr. Drake, former intelligence community member, told you in the Big Brother is Watching You episode that Cheney and Bush told him, Rumsfeld probably, hey, it's all legal now. We're moving ahead. We're going to the dark side. The beginning of the end for this experiment in America. Since March 2020, the government in England has introduced a large volume of new legislation, much of it transforming everyday life and introducing unprecedented restrictions on ordinary activities. Hmm. 
I'm feeling pretty validated, people. Ugh. In, uh, British government was warned of extremists exploiting the crisis to sow division and undermine the social fabric of our country with different hate groups variously blaming Muslims, Jews, and 5G phone technology for the pandemic. <laughs> so that's your conspiracy theory bullshit right there. Uh, but there are signs of fighting back. Oh, really? People are going to fight back? Can't wait to see that. The pandemic also has boosted trust in scientists and spurred demands for more accountable political leadership. In Hungary, which is one of the world's highest per capita coronavirus death rates, there is growing opposition to both the government's pandemic policies and its wider authoritarian thrust. Thousands have taken to the streets in support of academic freedom and LGBT rights. With an election due in 2022, a six-party opposition coalition has united to try to unseat Orban's party. Six opposition parties. Six. How many parties we got in the United States, people? Two. Anybody see any signs of that changing? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We have the two-party system that our forefathers warned us about. We were given a republic. Uh, we were given a republic. If we could keep it, don't think we're keeping it. Both extremism and resistance can be seen also in Brazil, where the far-right president, Bolsonaro, has expressed nostalgia for the country's two-decade military dictatorship and last year attended protests against the country's courts and Congress. (laughs) If you can believe that. He dismissed the virus as a little flu. Ah, it's just a little flu. Cast doubt on the effectiveness of vaccines and opposed social and economic restrictions. Excuse me. Uh, A lot of people have those same uh, criticisms of Trump, Uh, obviously. Uh, Renato Mireilles, director of Brazilian polling company Locomotive Institute, said authoritarianism had advanced through a strategy of fake news and attacks on factual truth. The next step will be questioning the electronic vote and, as such, the result of the election. So... Where have you heard that story before? Similar things happening in Brazil. (laughs) This is a struggle between democracy and authoritarianism that's going to last decades. In the United States, President Joe Biden has veered away from the populism of Donald Trump, but a Republican Party radicalized by the former president's supporters has every chance of winning power Again. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I'm here to fight for the rights of those in need, for the rights of my children, and for the right, my right to live, to have vaccines for all, said Claudia Maria, a protester in Rio de Janeiro. So, there's a lot of faith in the vaccines out there. And there's some lack of of faith in the vaccines and people with everything that I've been telling you on this podcast, how can you not have a little bit of fear about the efficacy of these vaccines? 
in the you know the gentleman in the big brother is watching you episode said hey we're they're going to microchip the cattle some people call that the mark of the beast from the book of revelations some people see that as the beginning of the end the antichrist is coming soon some people say cataclysms on the way guess there's nothing left to say we still can't figure out people we're all the same that's from my song i played for you uh entitled on the shelf we still can't figure out we're all the same people we're about to be all the same you're about to be a number and not a name and everyone will be the same People, you got to have faith. You got to stay positive. You got to get smart. You got to get away from ignorance, malevolence, ego. You have to start looking inwardly. You have to find the principles that you will choose to live your life by. And if you don't control your own mind, people... Somebody else is going to control your mind for you. And we have example after example after example, not only in this country, but around the world, that, in my opinion, clearly illustrate the need for each and every one of you, my fellow Americans, to start turning off that TV and start and turning off your screens and start putting your faces in books. There is nothing new in this world except the history you do not know. And that collection of stories uh, were included in the article, and that is by a woman named Jill Lawless with the Associated Press for Global News. Oh, I know, people. Lots, lots to digest. Lots to digest. Uh, I saw this tweet uh, that I liked. I'm gonna share it with you. Here we go. This is uh, from pissed off American at Young Orwellian, and he has a picture of George Orwell. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, he says the right believes there's a war on cops. The left believes there's a war on minorities. The truth is, there's a war on people by the government, and that's facts. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Speaking of Orwell, and uh, I guess Huxley as well, I saw something that was a bit scary. And I'm going to play it for you right now. So, you know, I, I don't really know a lot of the history behind Aldous Huxley and George Orwell, where they came from, uh, what motivated them to write their books, uh, their family lineage, any of that stuff. And, you know, I, I've, en I've enjoyed and understood those books for so long. Clearly, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that. 
Um, but I saw something on this page uh, called Red Pills and Rabbit Holes <laughs> on Facebook. And it kind of scared me. I did not know this. So here we go. Uh, I want you guys to take a listen to this. This is quite interesting little TikTok video I found. Here we go. Ever wonder how Aldous Huxley and George Orwell had the prophetic foresight to write Brave New World and the fabled 1984? Aldous Huxley was an inner circle member of the Fabian Society, a significant strand of the secret society web with its fitting logo, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Fabian comes from the Roman general Quintus Fabius Maximus Vericosis. He was known for wearing down his enemy over long periods of time and avoiding battles that were not certain. He and his troops would take over only when the enemy had been sufficiently weakened. If you had access to the inner core of the Fabian society, you would be privy to the projected agenda for enslavement. Aldous Huxley taught at Eton, the super exclusive college near Windsor Castle. His brother Julian was a keen promoter of eugenics and was president of the British Eugenics Society. A boy named Eric Blair was one of Huxley's students, later known as George Orwell. Huxley introduced Orwell to the society, giving him access to the global Big Brother plan manipulated by genetics, drugs, and mind control. Hmm. The Huxleys furthered the cause while Orwell worked till his dying day to expose it in the year that marked the... 100th anniversary of the Fabian Society. Which was founded in 1884, the Fabian Society, and 100 years from that would have been 1984. Did you know that? Did you know that Huxley's brother was a big proponent of eugenics? Orwell learned from Huxley about the plan for world enslavement? People, Alex Jones... Nut job crazy as he is, and I've, I've told you he got a lot of stuff right. He put out a documentary about the global enslavement plan. People, it is underway. Population control is the name of the game. I know. I, I hate being doom and gloom. I know I keep saying it. I, I, I say it almost every podcast uh, with the subject matter that I'm covering. I get it. I get it. I know I get redundant. I've said it a million times. But, you know, let's put on our tinfoil hats for a minute and let's go down a red-pilled rabbit hole. Shall we? <laughs> uh in a previous podcast, I told you guys about the Georgia Guidestones, right? And with all the things that have been happening in this world, I mean, I think I just read a story, too, that people are out on the streets in France, too. Uh, uh, the desperation of the French is evident as they are facing medical apartheid because of the plan for, you know, denied access to basic human rights. Uh, they're out on the streets protesting around the world. You know, with the, with the lockdowns, which remember Charlie Kirk told you was one of the worst decisions, it'll go down as one of the worst decisions in American history. You got Bill Gates trying to buy his way into the World Health Organization, uh, funding 
all these companies, Planned Parenthood, uh, telling you in the TED Talks that we have to get the population down. They want to reduce the carbon. I posted, <laughs> I posted a funny meme on uh, the private group, uh, Andrew for America, Comedy and Commentary, and it said, uh, you are the carbon that they want to reduce. <laughs> you know, with all the things that I've been telling you on this podcast, people, let's read through. If you guys have never heard this before, you know, you heard, you've heard me and you've probably heard other people talking about Georgia Guidestones, right? I wonder who funded the Georgia Guidestones. I've talked about it before. So here, let me look it up. I'm going to find, I think I posted it on the Politics and Punk Rock uh, podcast Facebook page a while back. Here, I just found it. I'm going to read this to you. This is what is etched in stone on the sides of these Stonehenge-like looking structures in jo the, the state of Georgia. And you tell me, if this isn't fodder for conspiracy theories, people, when you put this stuff in perspective, when you put it into context. Number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Number three, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Number four, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. <laughs> Uh-huh, right. Number five, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number six, avoid petty laws and useless officials. <laughs> okay. Number seven, balance personal rights with social duties. Number eight, prize truth, beauty, Love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And number nine, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. And then it goes, you know, what do you think of the American Stonehenge, a.k.a. the Georgia Guidestones? I mean, sounds, sounds like... If there's any truth to any of this crap I've been talking about on my show, and if that's really the plan, could it possibly be that all of the secret esoteric societies that have been passing down their secret knowledge throughout history, probably all the way back to the Sumerian, ancient Sumerians, and the first, the first recorded civilizations in human history, could it be that they're trying to perfect humanity. Could it be that we were maybe possibly visited by ancient astronauts in the distant past? Could it possibly be that if our religions teach us that we are made in the image that, you know, we are made in the image of God, could it possibly be that the gods that they're talking about are actually 
futuristic humans that have visited us from the distant future, the time-space continuum. Maybe they found, uh, what do they call those? Um, what, you know, when they bend uh, space-time. Um, a wormhole. A wormhole between a parallel universe and this universe. Could there actually be any truth to the fact that every religion in human history is rooted in the possible seeding of this world, altering the DNA of primates or Neanderthals? I know I'm getting deep, but just stay with me. Stay with me. Could there be a missing link? Could there have been? Uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, could they have altered the DNA and created human beings, homo sapiens? I don't know. Deep thoughts, deep stony psychedelic thoughts, right? But I'm just saying, people, put it in perspective. When you look at what's going on in the world and what's been going on in this world throughout history, empires rise, empires fall. Uh, problem, reaction, solution. The Hegelian dialectic, controlling both sides of a conflict so that you can control the outcome. The all-seeing eye that's on your dollar bill. Big Brother is watching you. I'm just saying, people, there might be something to all of these stories. Maybe it's not so negative. Maybe it's positive. Maybe it's a tough pill to swallow that in order to perfect the human race, a few people have to go. It's an it's a disturbing thought, isn't it? And I could be wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that when I put all this stuff together and I try to put it into context and I try to put my you know take the role of the other and put myself in other people's shoes and try to see through their eyes by reading their words and and studying the chronological history of events. I'm just saying, people, you never know. Have you ever seen, I think it was Star Trek. Uh, just to give you an example, I think the intro of the Star Trek movie is, you know, they land in this world and there are, are, are all these creatures there that they've never seen. And it's like, they think that humans, the Star Trek uh, uh, team, are aliens, gods from another world. And then they get back on the spaceship and they leave peacefully and they take off. And what happens? All of the people, or maybe not people, whatever they, these creatures are, whatever these beings are, that were the inhabitants of this world that the Star Trek ship just landed on, what did they do? They started drawing pictures in the sand of what they witnessed. And they started developing oral traditions. They told their kids, oh, I lived during a time where we were visited by beings from another world 
that gave us secret knowledge that we are now going to use to help perfect our race. Is it out of bounds of logic and reason? Am I crazy? Or is it actually possible? Who knows? I said in a previous podcast, are we spiritual beings having a human experience? Or are we human beings having a spiritual experience? Do we reincarnate as other beings when our soul energy moves on and gets redistributed out into the universe after we die? Or do we just go into the ground existential you know nihilism believe in nothing because you know ashes to ashes dust to dust when we die we die you got you know YOLO you got but one life to live right some people believe that some people believe in everlasting life some people believe in the sanctity of life and some people believe that killing an unborn child is one of the most disgusting things a human being can do. And I'm not I'm not trying to take a side. I'm not trying to tell you what to think, people. I've always said all I'm doing is presenting information to you. I am giving you ammunition. Mental ammo. I'm trying to free you from the cult of anti-intellectualism. I'm trying to bring you into the light, my fellow Americans. I'm trying to remind you of how important and how fragile this experiment in religious freedom, self-government, representative democracy. If we let it slip away, people, there will be no place else to go. This has been episode 54 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast entitled On Tolerance, Perspective, and Keeping the Faith. And people, you gotta keep the faith. You gotta stay positive. I know life seems daunting sometimes. Almost impossible, right? But you gotta adapt and overcome And you're going to get to where you're going. Stop and smell the roses. Enjoy your life as much as you can, people. It is short. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.